I love the playoffs. Anything can happen. But the best part? It's like bonus football. And bonus football means betting bonuses with Gambit DC. For a limited time, get up to a 57% multi-sport parlay boost on the Gambit DC app, online, or at any Gambit DC retail location throughout the district. It's the most exciting time to be a fan. So make your play and get the whole field advantage with Gambit DC. Limited time offer, terms and conditions apply. Please buy responsibly. Sports Podcast. This is your host, Tyler Wood. Thank you for joining us today on this Tuesday morning. Sorry, I had to push the podcast back just a day. It was a holiday yesterday, and also just scheduling was a little bit off yesterday, so I just decided to move it. So we're going to kind of just get right into stuff. Got a lot to talk about. Going to kind of recap just some of the games from the NFL this weekend and also from college football, the biggest games of each that I thought were the most important and also just were really good games uh, just, just this week in general. But, uh, we're going to start out with the Chargers and the Browns, and this one, I'm, I'm, before I get started, I want to say this real quick, and if you've been listening to me now for any bit of time, you've definitely seen that I am very defensive-minded when it comes to sports in general, and for this, this is no different for this week, and that's obviously going to play a big factor in all the games we talk about, because there was... In this game, there was no defense whatsoever. But in all the other games, there was definitely a defensive presence just in how some of these teams played. And it was obvious. Well, another one in the college football definitely lacks in defensive presence. But defense is the key in just all these games and what happened and the results that happened from it. So with that said, this one obviously had no defense whatsoever. You got the Chargers here giving giving up 42, and then also Cleveland giving up 47. So the Chargers end up winning this game. And like I said, there was no defense whatsoever. Got 500 yards given up by each team. And this was kind of, I would say, uncharacteristic from both teams. I think it's, uh, I think you can definitely see this more happening from the Browns than you can the Chargers. But for the Chargers, they've really been very consistent on the defensive end of of the football. And for them, they got some of the better defensive players, I would say, in the league. So for them, this is just very uncharacteristic. And I mean, a lot of it had just had to come down to the Browns. They definitely had a good offensive plan coming into the game. But at the same time, though, this just wasn't the performance that you expected coming from the Chargers and how they've looked. But that doesn't matter. Their offense was better than the Browns, and that's, I mean, all that matters sometimes, and that's what you have to be able to do. And Justin Herbert, he was just fantastic. He had 398 yards passing, four touchdowns, continues to take care of the ball with zero interceptions. On the other side, you had Baker Mayfield. He was had 305 yards, two touchdowns, took care of the ball well. And then Nick Chubb, who had 21 carries for 161 yards and one touchdown. So just a lot of offense in this game. Like I said, it was just very uncharacteristic from the Chargers. But we do know Cleveland has a really good offense, and they showed it this week. But for this, for look, talk, looking long term for this game, we kind of know what happened. It was just a lot of back and forth, and the Chargers were able to, you know, just sneak out with the win in this one. But talking long terms with this, and why I keep talking defense. Defense is going to be the biggest part of both college football, NFL, just in general this year, and. In, in football, and it's going to be on the defensive side of the ball that teams are going to win games and win championships championships this year because it just seemed like over the last couple of years it's definitely trended 
more offense, but this year, it, I don't know, it just kind of flipped on its head and did a 180. To me, it did at least. I mean, we saw teams that were just blowing teams out with their offense or barely scraping by with their offense, giving up 30, 40 points and, you know, winning games. This year, it kind of just seems like teams are being able to win with their defense and their offense is just doing enough. But obviously – the Chargers offense did more than enough in this to overcome that defensive lap, and that's going to happen. So you definitely have to have a good offense to be able to come, overcome performances like this on the defensive end. And for Cleveland, they just came upon the short end of the stick here. I mean, like I said, it was kind of uncharacteristic somewhat for them too. This is just a – but it just kind of goes to show with them, though, whenever they've played a really high-powered offense, this is the second time they played the Chiefs the first week and ended up losing. They gave up over 30 points in that game. And in this one, they give up 47. So whenever they've hit a really high-powered offense, they've struggled. So for them, it's just about building consistency and being able to slow down some of these top-tier teams because if they can't, I mean, they're not going to be able to go very far when it comes to playoff time. They'll be able to, you know, con- compete and get a playoff spot and all that. But when it just comes down to being able to advance, when you play some of these high-power teams that are going to have good good defenses and good offenses, they're going to have to be able to slow them, slow them down enough just to give your offense some room to be able to break away and open the game up a little bit. But for them, that's what you're looking forward to. But both of these teams definitely got some tougher schedules coming up. Cleveland's got... Arizona next week so they're definitely going to be looking to break the Arizona Cardinals you know undefeated season so far so they're going to be looking to do that and then the Chargers it gets no easier they got the Ravens next week as well so I'm interested to see how their defense responds after the performance that they gave up this you know had this week and what they gave up this week with Nick Chubb having 161 on the ground going to kind of be interesting to see how their defense responds to another rushing attack and see if they can really get back into their groove and what they do there and for the Chargers, so definitely looking forward to that matchup. But moving on from there, we're going to talk about the Bills and the Chiefs real quick. And for me, I mean, you can talk about the Bills all day. Their defense is great. Their offense is great. They definitely look like one of the top contenders in the NFL this year to compete for a Super Bowl. They got everything you need in a team to be able to compete this year. But to me, it's just a disappointment looking on the other side of the field watching this game just two nights ago, looking at the Chiefs. And they just continue to struggle on the defensive end. They've given up 30 points every single game this year. 30 points plus. And, I mean, your defense just can't get any worse than that. I mean, they're – it's just terrible. I mean, there's no fundamentals to it. I mean, they got some decent players there, and they just, I mean, they're just not gelling whatsoever, and they have to figure it out if they're going to be able to do anything this year because, like I said, your defense is going to be a big, big part of this year. And, yeah, they got a decent offense, but you see what happens when your offense your offense laps, you know, has a lapse during, you know, whatever week it is, and you end up having a team you got to go play, and your defense can't be able to hold them under 30. You're, you're not really in the game at all, and that was the case this week against Buffalo. And, yeah, they're not going to play a caliber team like Buffalo every single week, but the thing is, if you're going to – I mean, even some of these other teams they're playing, I mean, they're 2-3 and three now. So, I mean, they're obviously losing games that they're not supposed to or weren't favored to lose. And, I mean, now you are. You're looking at two and three, and I'm starting to get to the point where I'm sitting there saying, are y'all even going to be able to make the playoffs? Because, I mean, that's just how bad their defense is. And Mahomes is great. We know this. We know he's one of the best players in the NFL, one of the better quarterbacks in the NFL, top three easily. But he's not going to be able to carry it all on his own. And I think that was part of the problem with this and why they only had 20 points when Clyde Edwards-Alaire had to go out with his knee injury or his leg injury. But for them, if if they're going to be able to – I mean – their offense has got to at least compete in this too. If they're, I mean, their defense is going to be this bad, but twenty points isn't going to cut it. And so, Mahomes had to do everything by himself. He ended up, you know, forcing two interceptions, and for them, they just were never able to get going on the offensive end either. And they, that's obviously credit to Buffalo's defense as well. They've been fantastic this year. They already have two shutouts this year, so 
their defense is obviously one of the better in the NFL. But at the same time, though, you're supposed to be Patrick Mahomes. You're supposed to be this high-powered offense, and you got to be able to put up a fight in games like this at least. But there was just none, and they fall to two and three, and it just obviously isn't going to get any easier as they continue to play more teams. And, I mean, they're running the risk already, you know, have a bad week next week. You're two and four. You're already two games below 500. So that's a that's a bad spot to be in, especially this early. Well, you're not really early anymore. You're getting into week six now. You're almost getting to the midpoints, you know, of the season. And so you got to be able to figure it out because it's not going to get any easier. And, I mean, if you don't figure it out, you're not making the playoffs. I'm just being honest. But for Buffalo, obviously, they got a good shot as anybody to be able to compete for a Super Bowl this year, and it comes down to that defense. And obviously, you can't say enough about their offense as well. Josh Allen continues to perform, continues to do everything well. And this week, he happened to lead him in rushing too, so that was pretty impressive to see from from that perspective as well. So, anyways, that's what I got for me from the NFL. We're going to move over to college football and talk about what happened this week, and boy, did a lot go on this week. We had upsets galore, and we just got a ton of shakeup when it comes to polls and just how the, how the I would say, just the landscape of how the season is going to go because we all thought we had this preconceived notion that it was just going to come down to to Georgia and Alabama, and there's going to be a couple teams behind that would be able to, you know, maybe sneak in or something, you know, something of that that way. You know, that's the way we were all kind of thinking, but this week just completely flipped everything on its head and I mean I'll kind of get into some of the some of the other stuff that happened but for now I'm just going to start out with Penn State and Iowa had number three versus number four in this Iowa's number three Penn State number four and this game it was a it wasn't really I wouldn't say really close before Sean Clifford went out and I kind of I feel really bad for Penn State after watching this game and because for them, they were up two scores when Sean Clifford gets hurt. And then after that, Iowa just took full advantage of of Penn State not being able to not being able to score, be able to move the ball. And, I mean, it was just three and out, three and out, three and out type deal, and they're getting the ball back. And when that happens, the defense gets tired on the other end of the field. They wear down, and Iowa was able to get a couple of late-game scores, able to take the lead. So they capitalized just like a good team is supposed to do. But you just feel terrible for Penn State because they were obviously – good enough to win this game and should have won this game with how they looked. I mean, Sean Clifford goes down, it just changes the whole whole scenario of the game. You have a young quarterback who doesn't who can't perform that well in that big of a stage having to walk on in a top five matchup. That's a lot to ask from him. And I mean it just kinda it just kinda blew things up for them as well. I mean I, you could kind of feel the air kind of sucked out of their out of their team when that happened. And But like I said, I mean, the Hawkeyes, Iowa was able to do what they were supposed to do. Like a top three team does, they capitalized on a bad situation. They took advantage of it, and they made up for the for the type of game they had because obviously it wasn't, it wasn't good on their part from the offensive end. They're, but for them, obviously, their hat's going to be hung on the defensive end. They were able to force two interceptions from Clifford even before he left. They were able to get two after the fact. So they just continued to, you know, intercept the ball, be able to give themselves good field position to capitalize off of. That's great. That's what they're going to have to hang their hat on. But for them, I just kind of feel like at some point their downfall is going to come from from that from that offense. And I mean, your defense can be so good, but at some point you're going to be, you're going to give up points. And at some point that defense is going, is not going to be up to that. I'd say top caliber that they're they're They normally play at. And what I mean by that is for, for Iowa, they sit, they're sitting now in the rankings after, after their win in this game, they're sitting at the number two spot. They don't play anybody else that's ranked the rest of the way. And their two toughest tests that they're going to play the rest of the way is going to be Wisconsin and Nebraska. So no ranked teams. That's their two two biggest matchups left, and they're both teams that have multiple losses already that haven't looked that great this year. 
So you're pretty much, if barring a crazy upset, just your defense should be able to carry them through to the Big Ten title game. And obviously, they're going to match up either against Ohio State, Penn State, Michigan, Michigan State. That is yet to be seen. That is one of the better sides of a conference in college football. And there's going to be a lot that's got to be seen in the coming weeks with that because we got a lot of those matchups that still got to happen because I don't think any of those matchups have happened yet just on that side. So definitely looking forward to see how that happens. But for Iowa, you're going to walk into that probably undefeated, number two team in the nation, barring Georgia doesn't get upset now. And if that's the case, You've got a good shot of making the playoff, I would say, either way, just coming out of that whole entire conference undefeated in that. But here you go, having to now, once you get to that conference championship, having to play one of those teams, Michigan, Ohio State, Penn State. You already struggled against Penn State. We obviously are still kind of learning more about Michigan State's offense. Their offenses look decent this year. And Penn State's offense, was, like I said, was able to to get up on them. And then now you got Michigan and Ohio State, whose two offenses have looked Really good. Michigan's, I wouldn't say quite as good. Well, it obviously hasn't been quite as good as Ohio State's, but obviously they've been more than adequate. And then Ohio State, whose offense is just blowing the roof off of any team they've played. So the, for for Iowa, those teams are still going to be able to get points on you, I think. I think Ohio State definitely is still going to be their biggest threat. And you get into that game and Ohio State's offense continues to play the way that they have. It's going to be a really tough matchup for Iowa to, I would say, win if their offense cannot give them more. So for Iowa, their downfall is definitely possibly going to be their offense. They were able to run the ball a little bit in this. Tyler Goodson was, or Goodson was able to get 80 or 88 yards off of 25 carries. That's, that's all right. That's not going to cut it against a team like Ohio state though. And for their quarterback position, he was Spencer, Spencer Petrus. He was 17 to 31 for 195 yards, two touchdowns, one interception, so, I mean, that's that's not terrible, but you're not beating the caliber team of Ohio State. You're not beating the caliber team of even Penn State if Sean Clifford stays in. You're probably not beating Michigan, and you're probably not beating Michigan State. I'm just being honest with that type of offense that you played because those other teams are going to be able to score, and they got decent to good defenses with them. And so, for Iowa, I just – you're good for now for the next couple of weeks, but if that offense can't really find some traction and really be able to put up some points – they might be in for they might be in for a loss when that championship game rolls around. But I mean that's still a whole half a season away. We're just hitting the midpoint here with some of these teams with Iowa sitting here at six and zero. But on the other side, Penn State, this is definitely not the end of their their season. They definitely got everything they still want ahead of them. But it is definitely not going to be easy. I mean, like I said, you still got all those type of matchups coming up. Obviously their biggest biggest opponent that they're gonna play, Ohio State. So for them, I mean, it's just definitely going to come down to if Sean Clifford's healthy and if your defense can be able to stay off the field long enough to to be able to not be as tired when it comes to late game situations. And I'm I'm just saying this: if they're that that freshman quarterback that they had in at the end of that Iowa game play has to play the rest of the season or for any point at any of these games. I just don't think it's going to go well for them at all. So if that's the case, I just don't see them winning any of those games if Sean Clifford is not in. It just, I mean, it just sucked the whole air out of completely out of the offense when he went out. So that was disappointing to see for them because obviously I felt like they should be the number two team in the country, and they probably would have been if Sean Clifford Clifford stayed in. But obviously they took the loss, so you can't really say that. But that's that game. But moving on, we got the most important game to talk about, I would say, probably of the season so far. One we did not see coming, I did not see coming, but 
stayed up, watched every minute of it, ended up becoming one of the better games of the season, and that was Texas A&M and Alabama, and number one went down. Not not a single one of us expected this. Alabama was a multiple touchdown favorite in this game. They walked in undefeated at 5-0. and Offense humming just came off their best win of the season against Ole Miss. Defense finally looked the part in that matchup. Everyone was rolling high on them, thought they were going to be able to cakewalk their way to Atlanta to play Georgia in the SEC championship. And then all of a sudden, the defense completely just falls apart. And I don't really know how else to put that. The defense was absolutely terrible. And it comes down to, to them for to two things, that defense, but also the line of scrimmage on both sides of the ball is what I felt like killed them. Just in the trenches, I mean, Texas A&M was able to run the ball. Let's see how many yards they had real quick. Well, they were able to run the ball for 94 yards, so that was actually less than I thought it was going to be. But they were able to still – and I think a lot of that really got shut down in the second half. There, there was a little spurt right there, I would say, between halftime and the beginning of the fourth quarter that Alabama's defense really locked in. But the first half, they were able to really run the ball well and be able to get what they wanted in that first half especially. But for them – it came down to that run that running attack really set up their quarterback in the in the second half and he was able to make some important throws but that defense just really collapsed and the special teams did too on that that kickoff return after Alabama scored to get within reaching distance and so for them it just seemed like every time it just seemed like they were able to to get right back in it something happened but I'll tell you this there was a, there was one point Alabama took the lead at 38-31 after being down the whole game I was sitting there thinking, watching the game. I even told a couple of people that I was watching the game with. I said, Alabama's going to finally win this game. They're going to come back. Everyone's still going to have them number one. And everyone's going to forget this game and not talk about how they just gave up all these points. Well, I was wrong. Because, I mean, I, you, just at that point, you're just expecting them to win. That's just what Alabama has done year after year after year. They get in these tight matchups sometime occasionally when they shouldn't. And then they find a way to squeak it out. And then they go out and they blow everybody out the rest of the season because they're ticked off because they didn't play well this game. But, I don't know. There's just something different about this team. And that's what I that's what I tried to explain to people over my last couple of podcasts just that we've had breaking down football. This Alabama team is nowhere close to the team that they had last year. The defense was better last year, and the offense was definitely better last year. And I just don't know why. Some people were saying this was the best Alabama defense we were probably ever going to get. And they were saying the offense wasn't going to lose a step. The offense has definitely lost a step. No, I mean, that was one of the most efficient offenses you will ever see in football last year. I mean, that was challenging 2019 LSU with Joe Burrow type type team. I mean, that was just how good they were last year. I mean, they were breaking some of their records. But people obviously forget about that stuff when it comes to these teams because they admire the dominance that they have so far. And that's, that's understandable because it's Nick Saban. Everyone just expects the same thing out of them. But I just kind of felt like, in my own personal opinion, that that wasn't going to happen. They lost some of their, they lost a lot of their offensive talent. They lost some of their defense. They brought back a lot of defense, but there's just something different. And I read something today, and it made perfect sense on why this happened. And you're seeing it in full effect now. So what ended up happening when Kirby Smart takes the job at Georgia? You end up still having a lot of four or five star players that had been recruited for that defense still there, and that's why their defense still was really good for the first couple of years that Kirby Smart is not there. And then all of a sudden you see Georgia's defense continually slowly get better and better and better. 
and you see how good Georgia's defense is now. They're the best best defense in the country. There's no doubt about it. They're one of the best defenses we've seen in college football history. They are challenging some of the early Alabama teams in the t- early t- 2010-2012 area of in terms of how good this defense is. They're able to get get pressure just rushing three up front, four up front. I mean, that's just how good that Georgia team is and that Georgia defense is. And that's coming directly from Kirby Smart being the coach, being able to recruit at the level he has over the last couple of years. And you pull some of those defensive players that were going to Alabama. They're now coming to Georgia now. And so you're not having the the guy who was able to develop that defense there anymore. He's also pulling players away from you. And so now you're trying to figure it out on your own. And you've had three coordinators that have been in and out since that time period on the defensive end that have not been able to figure it out yet and have not been able to string consistent, great defenses together. And so it's just added up to the point now where these guys that you thought were going to be great just because they came back from last year are not getting the structure that they were originally and so you're seeing that there are some cracks, I would say, in that coaching staff foundation. And I know some people are sitting here going to be listening to this, and they're going to say, you're absolutely crazy. It was just one game. Alabama's going to be fine. They're going to come back. You can't just fix this type of stuff overnight. I'm just letting you know now. It's not like you can just walk into the next practice and say, okay, we're going to be better on defense, and this time, you know, this week we're not going to get beat on the line of scrimmage. That's not how it works. you got to have the players that do it. You have to plan You have to plan and practice during the offseason to get better on this stuff because you can get better during the season somewhat, but you're playing games at this point now. Your preparation is mostly focused on the next team. You're preparing for the next team while also trying to factor in recovery and everything else that's going on on top of it you can't just fix this type of stuff overnight and I just don't see how they fix it overnight because the the weaknesses are they're obviously glaring and we were able to see I mean Texas A&M get multiple sacks on Bryce Young being able to I mean they played in the backfield I would say for most of the night and for them that was I mean it just showed on the offensive line and like I said on the defensive line A&M was just able to protect the quarterback. They didn't really have to worry about, I mean, their quarterback being sacked much at all. He had plenty of time, and that's why he was able to go 21 or 31 in this game. Had no problems whatsoever. And that, I mean, they're just, their defense could not get pressure up there. I mean, they did decent, I would say, like I said, during that second half. That's why I, I really see the Russian attack really slow down a little bit, I'd say, in between that second and third quarter. I feel like that's really why you saw A&M kind of go dormant before they really trusted they trusted their quarterback to be able to throw some of those downfield passes that really set them up to win the game in the end. But uh, I don't know. They just kind of they just kind of collapsed there at the end. They just were not able to get into the backfield much. Not able to get much pressure on. Them. Like I said, that's just uncharacteristic from a Nick Saban led Alabama team. But that's why I said you just you can't fix this type of stuff overnight. So for Alabama, your best case scenario at this point is to be able to trust your offense to be able to win games for you for the rest of the year. Be able to beat teams like Arkansas. Beat teams like Auburn. And, I mean, they still got some matchups coming up. I mean, Arkansas, obviously, is a really, really good team. We saw them barely lose to Ole Miss. They lost by one point because they decided to go for two on that play. I'm not going to say what I thought about that play. You know, that's for everyone else to have an opinion on. But they barely lost it. They're a good football team. They show that they can play offense. They show they've other than that game, they've been able to play defense. So, for them, for Alabama, you're – you got to figure this out if you're going to have a chance later on. But like I said, I just don't see how they figured this out overnight. And they got some really tough matchups still coming up. And I still think teams like Arkansas are going to give them a run for their money because Arkansas is physical. Arkansas is very, very physical. And that's why they were able to score against Ole Miss. The only team, only reason I don't think they scored against Georgia, I just think Georgia is that physical. And I think it threw them off because Arkansas has been more physical than anybody else they played. I mean, they beat this A&M team that just beat Alabama. And they've just been so physical, 
And I just think that's a really bad matchup when it comes down to Alabama having to play them later on because that's why A&M was able to have the success that they did because of how physical their fronts were. And I think that's the same type of scenario you could see when Alabama and Arkansas plays. And so Alabama right now, you're hoping your offense is able to carry you. If not, you're possibly, you know, you're looking at two, possibly three losses this year. And at that point, the next team up in the West might be Ole Miss being able to come in there and be able to, to play in the SEC championship game if Alabama ends up blowing it one more time. So that's just definitely something. I mean, it, like I said, it kind of just changed the whole landscape of where we were at. Most people thought it was Georgia, Alabama, and then everyone else, and myself including. I didn't think – I mean, take that back. I've, I definitely said that. That's definitely what I thought. But if you've listened to me, I've definitely said that Alabama defense is going to to hurt them at some point. I thought their offense would be good enough, but their offense obviously got – you know just was not able to get it done when it mattered. We saw that when they had the ball left with three minutes to go, had a chance to win the game, and their offense just completely stiffened up and went three and out. And that's credit to A&M's defense as well, being able to get that type of stop when they needed it. But at the same time, though, I mean, you you thought their offense was going to be able to do that. They weren't able to. So, I mean, we we all thought a lot of different things about this team that isn't possibly true now. And so we're sitting here having to wonder how it's going to go for them the rest of the year. So now you look at Alabama and you're just wondering if they're able to get to that point in the end of the season where they have a shot at, against Georgia in the SEC championship and trying to get into the playoff because now the only chance they have of making the playoffs is winning out the rest of the way. You drop one more game along the way or you drop the game against Georgia in the SEC championship if Georgia wins out as well. And if you lose that, I mean, one more game, you're out. So I don't know. This this game kind of just flipped everything, everything on its head. Everybody thought Alabama was going to be able to roll. I'm like getting back to what I was saying. I kind of got off track there, but for this, like I said, I've been saying it all year. I kind of felt like they had problems, even though I thought they were one of the top two teams in the country. I thought their offense was that good to be able to carry them the whole way, and it was just going to be that matchup against Georgia. And with that said, obviously my worries about their defense have obviously came to fruition, and that was obviously what happened in this game. So. I don't know what you see in the landscape right now. I don't, you know, I want to say it's Georgia and then everybody else at this point, but I'm still, I'm not quite ready to just say that now after seeing what we saw. And obviously, anything can happen in college football. We've been saying, I've been saying that all year. Anything can happen at any given time. But I'm really ready to see how well Georgia does against Kentucky this next week before I say something like that. If Georgia can go in there and handily defeat Kentucky, I think Georgia should be able to roll, just absolutely roll the rest of the year, have everything they want. This could finally be the year of the dog, but I want to see how well they play against another physical front like this Kentucky team who a lot of people are saying that's going to be able to compete against Georgia. I don't know how true that is. I'll break it down later in the week when we get to our our preview and prediction for the week, but definitely interested to see that. It kind of just changed the whole landscape. Now you got teams like Iowa who feel like they got a shot. You got a team like Oklahoma after their – Comeback win against Texas, who now feel that they have a shot. They're not going to have a shot, though, if they don't continue to play Caleb Williams. Spencer Rattler is not the dude there. They need to go with Caleb Williams, and I think that was evident after that game. But So now you got Oklahoma, who thinks they have a shot. Obviously, you got a couple other teams back through there coming up. Ohio State, who thinks that they got a real shot now after Alabama losing that. Just, just a lot of teams that are really – really seeing that the, the opportunity has opened up now with a team like Alabama losing there. We thought that there was going to be two spots taken up in that playoff, and now there's definitely, possibly right now, only one that we're really seeing that could be taken, and that's still yet to be seen depending on what happens, you know, the next couple weeks. So, 
uh, going to be interesting. Everything we thought we knew is now out the window. That's usually how college football goes. That's why we love it so much. That's why we watch it every single week. And just, I mean, that's what some of us do on Saturdays. We do nothing but watch college football. But that's exactly why we do it. Because of games like this, how exciting it is. It's unpredictable. It's not like, you know, some seasons like, and some sports like the NBA, you know, even the NFL, you can kind of predict which teams are going to be really, really good and just, you know, even win the whole thing. You can't do that in college football. It doesn't matter who's placed where at the beginning of the season. It doesn't matter who has what players, injuries, anything can happen and affect stuff. So that's what makes this game so special and why I love it so much. That's why I talk about it a good bit on here. Especially during the season, it's definitely my, I would say, one of my top two sports. So that's why you hear so much about it when we get on get on the podcast and talk, talk things out. So anyways, moving on from there, got a couple of things we're going to talk about in politics. That is sports for the day. Moving on from there, though, we're going to talk about something that we have talked about before, but it just continues to get worse and worse, and now it's starting to, to really... I would say hurt America in a lot of different aspects. Not that it wasn't hurting them before, but it's getting worse now. We're sitting here looking at it, and this is what I, this whole segment I got is just called Democratic Lies. And like I said, we've talked about this before, but it's getting to, like I said, it's getting to the point now where it's affecting a lot of different things where it's just, it's unrecognizable. And if you still can't see it, you'll never be able to see it. It just, it's just that simple. And like, I'm just going to go down the list real quick, kind of give you some stuff that's going on right now. Right now, we have multiple ports at different cities that are now being clogged up. One specifically in California now has over 90 ships that are blocked right there that are waiting to be unloaded from stuff that is being brought to the United States to be, you know, shipped out to the or sent out for stores and, you know, just goods and stuff in general. And they keep saying that the cause for this is that they keep giving all these excuses. They're backed up because of COVID-19. They, you know, they say all this different types of stuff. It comes down to it's a labor shortage. They don't have enough people there to unload the ships. They don't have enough people to load the stuff up. And then some people are saying there's a truck shortage. We don't know this for sure. I've heard a lot of people that have saying the opposite. But right now we know there's not enough people that are able are there to be able to unload these ships to be able to get the stuff on the trucks where they can go out to the places that they're supposed to go to be able to keep store stock and be able to make sure we have all the items we need. So we're starting to see shortages in some place and. So right now it's a labor shortage right now we know for sure at at these ports. The other thing is we got Southwest Airlines right now. They have are having tons of cancellations. They've canceled over thousands of flights now at this point. They had to cancel it was up to 29 29-31% of their of their flights just on this past Sunday. So they're obviously struggling and they keep wanting to say that it has nothing to do with shortages. It has everything to do with weather and different stuff that they're dealing with. That's what they're saying. They're trying to cover face from what we're hearing now on the backside from the from the pilots that are working at Southwest Airlines. They're now hearing that this is a, a shortage of workers as well there. And here, let's just be honest real quick before I move on from this. These shortages are not coming from just people not wanting to work. This is coming from people that are not wanting to be forced with these new vaccine mandates. They're standing up against these companies. They're standing up against these places that have mandated these these vaccines that should be a choice for everyone to take. So let's just get that straight. This this has nothing to do with weather patterns or anything like that. They were saying they were having weather problems in Florida. We were looking at, I was looking at the radar in Florida and the weather and stuff in Florida from where they were talking about some of their flights were canceled out. They've had no weather problems in those areas. They keep saying this, but it's just a way to subvert this stuff because these are companies from these places that are putting these mandates in effect and people don't want to work at these places when they have these type of mandates. They want to be able to have the freedom of choice to be able to decide what goes in their body and what doesn't. 
and they're not being given that, so they're either not coming into work or they're just simply saying, I'm not working here anymore. Now, here's another here's another thing, and this plays well, this kind of plays into something I'm gonna talk about as well. When it comes to these when it comes to these places, a lot of these places like California, they're already mandating vaccines and they've already are firing these people if they do not have the vaccine and they can't be allowed to come into work. So that is going to affect in a lot of places. I know tons of places that are their deadlines are sometimes or sometime this week, sometimes next week, sometime the end of this month where they have to be vaccinated, they won't be allowed on premises or they won't be allowed to come to their job. So a lot of that is coming now that is happening now and so what you're seeing is these shortages happening right now along these this time where these mandates are being put in place but also where these timelines have to be met and if they aren't met you're fired or you have to you aren't allowed on premises or you're suspended without pay that type of that type of scenario and so that's what you're really seeing but of course they don't want to say that these companies that that's happening to whether it's at the ports or whether it's you know the southwest airline they don't want to say that because it obviously one it makes them look stupid because they have people that are walking out because obviously they don't want it but they also support these type of mandates because that's obviously why they're putting them in place and not fighting back against against the mandates so obviously they're not going to say nothing like that they want to subvert you from seeing it so that you still trust their company you still trust these mandates that are going around to all these different companies so they're on board with this they just don't want you to see the true reason behind it and so moving on from there, looking at what's going on. So it's funny because they they keep this. This is playing into the lie scenario. The whole thing is just about their lies and what they talk about. Looking at Biden last week, he talked about how mandates and stuff like that that he's put into effect and that they continue to look in, to put in, into effect are necessary and they're working is what he's saying. And they talk, they talk about how they showed this graph where, or showed a graph on it was either from Biden or it was from a company that obviously supported them heavily in favor of them they were sitting there looking at it and it shows how the companies are at 56 57 58 percent somewhere around that that area and then the mandate goes into effect and then all of a sudden you see you see within a couple of weeks time four or six weeks when you know they say you have to get the vaccine we see during that time period all of a sudden you go from 50 something percent to 90 something percent within a matter of those weeks well that's during where those timelines are already being hit and obviously they didn't want to talk about that, but the thing is, is when those timelines have to be hit, if you're not getting, if you're still not getting the shot, you're getting fired or you're, get, you know, being let go, that type of scenario. So automatically, the company goes from a certain amount of people to a lower amount of people, and obviously the people that are left are vaccinated. So obviously your percentages go from, you know, mid, middle of the road to high percentages of vaccinated people. That's why they didn't tell you the totals of people that are getting vaccinated. Again, they just showed you a percentage because they don't want you to see that. They don't want to talk about the people that are getting let go from their jobs, that are being shut out from the economy, being able to provide food for their family. They don't want you to hear about that type of stuff because obviously it looks bad on them. But this is the type of agenda that they want to have. They want to continue to push and what they will continue to push because it's all about lying for them. They want to continue to push their agenda even if it's at the expense of you and your family. And... Excuse me real quick, looking at my notes real quick. <clears throat> Anyways, so this is what it all comes down to for them. It just comes down to the lies that they continue to push. They ha will have these shortages. Like I said, it comes at the expense of the people that are sitting here looking to get uh, – not looking to get this shot. It comes at the expense of them, their family. They're not being able to provide for their family. They are just – they're out of a job, and it's all simply because you just didn't want to put something in your body that you don't feel is necessary or you should have the right to even choose for. They don't believe you should have that right. They believe you should listen to them and you should be the, you know, they should be the, the, the rulers who tell you what to do and then you do it willingly and you follow their, you know, their rules blindly. 
I'll give you an example of this. Looking at what was going on today, we had Fauci, who continues to show up all across these Democratic news stations, and they keep asking him his, his opinion on stuff. Oh, when is masking going to be over with? When is, you know, when are we finally going to be able to get back to normal? And he keeps saying, you know, pushing the date back further every time they talk to him. At one point, it was spring of 2021. Now it's like late 2022. So, I mean, they continue to push it, and he just continues to move, you know, move the goalpost whenever he feels necessary, whenever it fits his agenda, whatever he wants. And so here he is today saying, oh, it's it's safe for everyone should go. All the kids should go out and enjoy enjoy Halloween. It's I you know, I say it's safe. You should be able to go. No one asked him if it was safe to be able to go. But this is the type of pedestal that these people think they you know, they are on. They believe that they are the end all be all that they should be able to rule your life. They should be able to tell you when you can do stuff, what you can do with stuff, what you can put in your body, what you can't put in your body, when you're allowed to do this, when you're not allowed to do that. That is exactly how these people run, and they will lie to you, boldface, you know, straight to you, just to be able to accomplish this. And that's why I tell people, whenever you see stuff like this, something, something, you know, someone says something, I always have someone that comes up and tells me, you know, the reason why something is happening. Oh, did you hear about this? You know, I'll give you an example. Someone said, oh, did you hear about the shortages that are happening? It's going to affect, you know, Christmas, you know, holidays and stuff like that. Then, you know, I asked, so why is there shortages? You know, we didn't have any of these problems, you know, not that long ago. And, you know, they say something... Something like, oh, well, weather patterns, you know, messing up, you know, they don't have, you know, they don't have workers or, you know, stuff like that. And I say, so why don't they have workers? They want to say, oh, well, you know, COVID-19 is really messing up. No, it's these mandates. We didn't have these type of problems before these type of mandates went into effect. And obviously that's what I'm saying. They'll continue to lie to you and continue to lie to you. And until you start reading between the lines and continue to do your research and be able to see what is really going on, you'll continue to be led blindly down a road until the point where they are controlling everything that you do, and you won't be able to have a say in it at that point. That's why I'm trying to, I continue to talk about this type of stuff and tell you this stuff now so that we don't have to worry about this later on, that we can nip it in the bud now and we won't have to have this problem later on down the road, or your kids won't have to deal with it, because if you don't deal with it now, your kids definitely will have to deal with it later on down the road, and it'll be ten times worse than it is now. If you give them an inch, they'll take it a mile. That's just how it always goes. They take a little bit of your freedom, they'll continue to take your freedom once they, you know, until basically you have nothing left. And that's their goal. They will continue to lie until they get what they want. So it is up to us to continue to do research, look into these situations and see what happens. And I'm, I'm just saying from what I'm hearing from different people, these shortages are going to possibly last for a while. Until obviously something happens, someone buckles on this type of stuff, and the shortages could obviously be stuff that we really need. So, it, you know, if you really need something, type of, I would say, necessities, you know, whether it's, you know, you name it, toilet paper, toothpaste, you might want to think about stocking up on some of this stuff for these shortages, you know, continue to get worse because they are. I mean, we got, like I said, we got 90 plus ships that are still sitting out in some of these ports that haven't been able to load and, I mean, unload and be able to just distribute this stuff out to the proper places they're supposed to go. And if that continues to happen, we will have worse and worse shortages i'm not saying i don't know you know obviously no one knows for sure how bad it can get i'm just saying it's always better to be prepared so that's that segment moving on from there talking about what's been going on on the front with the 3.5 trillion dollar spending bill that they are ready to spend you know continue to spend your tax dollars even though they continue to say oh this bill will cost zero dollars that's another one of the lies that they continue to say and this one right here, what's going on here lately with this, we obviously still haven't had the infrastructure vote because they've now tied it to the $3.5 trillion bill. Now you still have Joe Manchin and Kristen Cinema that have still not caved into the Democrats' demands to be able to uh, 
pass this $3.5 trillion spending bill that would basically turn the American economy and turn America in general into a partially, I would say, socialist country. I was talking to someone today. If they find a way to get this bill passed, we're pretty much in terms of what this bill is. We're basically a socialist country. And it's sad to say, but I mean, you see the type of stuff that they put in, and it's almost stuff that they, I mean, stuff that they basically already got in Canada. I mean, they're basically socialized up there, and a lot of stuff they do, we're almost there, and basically what this bill is. And so, right now, the only thing that stands between them and what this bill all has in it, and wasting continually more of our money, even though, like I said, they continue to say it's going to cost zero dollars. I don't know what type of math that is. I guess Common Core math. But, anyways, we still have these two senators, Joe Manchin and Kristen Cinema, that continue to not bow down to these. Uh, to basically what their rulers, I guess you'd say, because you have Schumer and Nancy Pelosi that continually come after them and basically say you should just get out of the way and let us do what we want to do. And they're not doing that. Joe Manchin's already said his price tag is $1.5 trillion. That's obviously still more than I would like to say. I'd like to see none for this type of bill, but that's still $2 trillion less damage than what they could do. And Cinema continually has not... I, I would say continually not been willing to negotiate on anything at all when it comes to this bill, because from what... I, I've seen and what other people have seen, we're sitting here looking at it and where she has not given them a price tag on what she wants. She continues to not take take phone calls from the White House. She's even snubbed Pelosi a couple of times. Manchin's already done that somewhat, saying that he's not, he's not ready to negotiate anymore because he's already laid out what his terms are. So she hasn't basically given a stance on anything. She just kind of seems, I would say, in total opposition against this. And it makes sense because we've already spent so much money between all the other bills that we have. And if we pass this infrastructure, that's already another $1.2 trillion added on. Obviously, infrastructure is something that we need. Obviously, and a lot of what they've put in it is not stuff we need with their whole partial Green New Deal stuff that they want to put in there. But infrastructure, obviously, is something we need. So that's not as quite as bad. This one is absolutely terrible. And she just doesn't seem willing to buckle to their you know, to their, to what they want in this. And it makes sense because it's just not feasible to continue to spend this type of money like they are. And three point, I mean, it's just crazy. At one point they were talking about doing this bill at $6 trillion. That was was what Bernie Sanders originally wanted. And that's where you're seeing a lot of the problems come down from is you got the progressives that still want it. No, no less than 3.5 trillion. And you got these two senators that won't do one, won't do anything more than 1.5 trillion. And, the other one won't even give you a price tag, and it seems like she's not even willing willing to negotiate on the bill. So, but what's what reason I'm giving you an update on this? You're trying to see some of the stuff that's been going on with it. You're seeing Cinema and Mansion, and they're they're being harassed. I would say, and it's crazy because this is what the left does. They will are willing to turn on their own when it benefits them, and so you got they're basically being harassed. I mean, you see Mansion getting harassed by people coming up to his home. And then cinema, you see videos of her being chased into the bathroom by Democrat constituents or illegal immigrants in this case that were saying that they wanted their citizenship because some Democrats still want to be able to put in this citizen, you know, pathway to citizenship in this bill, even though the parliamentarian committee already said it's not, it's not allowed, it shouldn't be in there because it's not, you know, part of the budgetary process. Anyways, so now you have her. Now you also have, uh, like I said, you have cinema not willing to negotiate. And now you have people coming up to her at the Boston Marathon not willing to, I mean, trying to harass her into basically signing this bill even though she doesn't want to. Or going along with this bill even though she doesn't want to. And Biden just says it's part of the process. That's what I keep saying though. They will will continue to do whatever they want 
and however they need to to be able to get what they want. They don't care about you. They don't care about anybody else. They will just continue to do what they want, no hesitation whatsoever, just so they can remain in power and continue to ruin our country. And that's the part I don't understand. Only people that don't love our country can continue to do stuff like this. And, I mean, that's the only way I see it. I think these people are purposely doing it because they don't love our country, because they don't love the people that are a part of it, and they just want to continue to see it torn apart, because I just don't see how you can see what's going on and not understand that, but... That's what I got for you today, kind of just keeping you up to date with some of the stuff. Uh, got some got some previews and predictions for college football coming out this Friday as well. We'll also have our next episode coming out Thursday, so look for that. We'll have some more news, break down the NBA season coming up. Once again, give you another three teams that we see that could be able to compete this year. And we'll go from there. But with that said, that will be coming out Thursday at 8 o'clock hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did, make sure you share it with other people. Make sure that we continue to be seen by other people so we can continue to grow, and we can't do it without you. So please continue to share. Please continue to like and you know subscribe to us and follow so you can see everything that we're doing. But with that said, hope you enjoyed the episode, and we'll see you in the next one.